keep to your heart and do not mistake evil for good. And that's enough. That's very important. Call evil evil and believe in the same good that we've always believed in. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. And I want to start by saying this podcast terrifies me. It terrifies me because this journey that I've taken, that I've undertaken, and (laughs) maybe is overtaking me um, around trying to understand humanity better, well, it, it uncovers some of the things about humanity that we potentially aren't ready for or have forgotten, specifically trauma, pain, um, human control even. And as it's revealed to me during this podcast, my, my forebearers, the people who advocated for me to have the life that I have, uh, maybe purposefully bred out of me this conscious, uh, what would you call it, Um, this conscious view into the deepness of control of humanity itself. And, And I think they've left us with this unconscious. When I say us, I mean maybe in the Western world, this unconscious uh, vibe that, you know, there isn't there is a need to understand the the light to the dark, if you know what I mean. The up to the down, the yin to the yang. So, look, let me say that um, this podcast features uh, what I believe is an amazing man, Herbert Chow. I came across Herbert by watching sixty minutes. And I had that feeling again, which is like, I've got to chat to that person. So guess what? I sent him a message and he sent me a message back. And a few days later, we were talking. Um, We were talking and that we did. We talked and I can't really articulate it properly, but there's something about the act of him choosing to talk to me on the other side of the world is him, is Herbert standing up for his people in Hong Kong to say I will choose to talk to who I wish to, when I want to, how I want to, about what I want to. So I guess it is in that nature that we kick off this podcast with Herbert Chow. Um, I guess for those like me who up until I reached out to him didn't know about too much of what's happening in Hong Kong, um, it's very complicated and I I would... um, encourage you to to do a bit of googling to try and understand the dynamics between the british handover to the chinese and the deal that was brokered between you know britannia um, china and hong kong and and the sovereignty that i guess um, when i feel through this conversation the idea is that what herbert is fighting for is to be sovereign, to be able to be his own person, uh, whatever the costs. So look, I hope you enjoy this podcast. I am nervous about it, but I am happy with it, and I look forward to sharing it with you all right now. Bringing out the fire, bring on all the lightning, because I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror, I find one, oh. Too hard, pick it up, dust it off. When I fall down 11, I get up 12. Don't need nobody else. Yeah, I can save myself. Uh, read any news in, in your part of the world yesterday uh, about my 60 minutes plus interview because we saw some news yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I actually. Yeah. The reason I reached out is because it, um, I, your story popped up in the 60 Minutes interview. And so, you know, oh, okay. I, I'm not sure exactly why I reach out to guests, but I, I get a feeling, you know, and I don't know what that really means, Herbert, but it's like, I just have a feeling I'd like to talk to that person. And I, I think what I'm trying to learn is um, 
you know, there's in in real life, you can pick up a feeling from somebody, but I think that happens digitally as well. So there was lots of people mm. featured in that 60 minutes interview, but you're the only one I wanted to talk to. So thanks for answering no, my call. Appreciate that. No, you're yeah. too kind. Yeah. But uh, I was referring to the news we caught yesterday that the trade representative in in Sydney uh, of Hong Kong, the, mm. the trade representative of Hong Kong in Sydney, wrote a letter to the 60 Minutes Plus producers right. uh, saying, that, accusing them of being biased and not mm. representing the whole picture. Uh, it's, it's, um, these guys are shameless. You know, they, this is an intermediate international media outlet. I mean, they've done their research. My interview was done way back, I think in July and, and they didn't just film and release. I mean, they spoke to more people. They did their work. And, uh, I wrote back to them and said, I read the news and, uh, and, uh, if you need a statement from me. I, I will give you a statement that everything I said in that interview is, is nothing but the truth. And the government is trying to put pressure on an international media outlet saying that what you reported uh, under the title of Game Over misrepresents the situation in Hong Kong. That's shameless. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, what do you make of all of this? I mean, how it feels to me a little bit is it's the individual versus a collection versus a group. And I feel like you represent the individual, a person who is able to think and speak. But when you come up against, you know, governments and companies, that they have this uh, corporate kind of um, blanket of secrecy. And I, I mean, uh, Herbert, my first question for you is everything you're going through, everything Hong Kong is going through, are you still hopeful? Are you still um hopeful and yeah definitely well uh uh i would have uh, gone off uh, somewhere uh, if i wasn't hopeful um, my mm -hmm. daughter lives in los angeles uh i have two kids that came back actually from london uh and uh for me hong kong is the most comfortable place uh to work in at the moment and also potentially in, in the future uh to retire and if i wasn't hopeful Number one, I would have moved, and uh, and number two, I I I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, the stuff we go through every day. I mean, the the uh, uh, I'm not going to swear in your program, <laughs> but the rubbish that we face every day, uh, the suppression, the reports from the opposition uh, to government departments, fake. Uh, reports that led that led to the search at my shop by the National Security Department. All that is not easy. I tell you, uh, for me, I'd swallow it. But imagine for my staff who works in the shop uh, and and saw eighty policemen uh, surrounding that tiny little store. Twenty of them walking into my shop, shouting, treating us like criminals. Uh, that's not easy. So if I wasn't hopeful, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be continuing to speak up. Uh, uh, we get that like in different sizes every week in terms of the intimidation every week. Just last week, we had a couple of government departments come up and said, we got a call claiming that you are uh, uh, illegally producing food and that's our office. Uh, it's, it's an office building. Uh, well, you can call it an industrial building as well, but it's really for, for work and people accusing us of making food there and, and selling food and just all this rubbish triggering government departments to come up and search our office. We get that like every week. And then I get um, uh, uh, calls from my factories in China and telling me, uh, uh, um, um, uh, at a very crucial time this season, uh, end of August, that I can no longer deliver the goods for you because I've got uniformed Chinese policemen uh, coming up to my factory telling me not to produce for you. And I said, okay, well, I, I, I understand you have pressure, but, but uh, 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 this is the end of the season uh, and the beginning of the new season for me. Have you got the goods that you've made for me for the, for the fall and winter? 
of 2021. They said, oh, we've got it, but we can't deliver it. I said, you killed me. This is end of August, and I'm supposed to start my season in mid-September. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't deliver it to you. So you can see the stuff we go through. They, they're literally doing it, uh, uh, in my terms, illegally, just to try and squeeze you to death, just because you speak. And, and is that's, that what, yeah, yeah, sorry, carry on. Sorry. And that's our government. Can you believe this? Like you ask yourself, like, what crime have I done in China that would lead to Chinese policemen going up to my several factories and stopping production? I haven't been to China for like three years now, ever since the, uh, uh, the anti-extradition treaty uh, uh, protests. I haven't been there because I stood on the other side. I didn't want to go. And there they are, uh, cooperating with each other, literally just trying to squeeze my business to death. Is it and does one government treat its citizen like this? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I live in New Zealand, and it's hard. What Part of the reason I wanted to talk to you is, is it's hard um, for someone from the other side of the world to understand another person from another side of the world. But we have this internet connection. And we can use it. We can use it to communicate. And I really, I'm not sure what kind of power that is. I think it's a power. I think that's why, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of freedom in you and me chatting online and then being able to push record on this. That is a freedom. But I guess that is something that, if we're not careful, can be taken away from us, right? Yes. So, um, trust me, that's. A lot of power will, uh, and that's the reason why I respond to you. Uh, when we speak, we want to be heard, and uh, we want our voices to be heard all over the world. We want our little stories to be heard all over the world so that the government, when they have what we call in Chinese the glass heart, when they think that we've hurt their feelings in telling the world what they're doing to us, that, that they can't go around and say to people, that, oh, what you heard in this program and that interview and that program is untrue. We want to be heard. So it's powerful, Will. I mean, uh, uh, and we want everybody in the world uh, who reaches out to know what we're going through because no government does this to its citizen. Uh, when you look at the history of Hong Kong, people start arguing that, uh, why are you guys fighting for freedom and democracy? When the Brits ruled you for 150 years, you guys never had democracy. And this is the uh, most naive statement uh, that I've ever heard from mankind, which is now constantly being used from people on the opposition side. Because our simple response would be, we've always had freedom under the rule of the British. Yes, the political system was not a democracy. That is a fact. And that's why a lot of people embrace the return to China, because in the basic law, it was promised to us universal suffrage. We were looking forward to the same freedom that we would have in press, in speech, and we were looking up to our motherland to give us a democratic political system so that we can tell the previous governor of the last 150 years, that China can do better than you. And what have they done? They've shown our previous governor that they can't do better than them. Apart from failing to deliver a democratic political system, they also failed to continue to give us the freedom that we used to have. So this is where we are as a, as a starting point, why we're doing what we're doing. We're disappointed. A lot of patriots on our side that looked up to China, hoping that when they take over gradually from 1997, we would become a better system than where the Brits left us. And mind you, they really left us with a really good system. That's why the Hong Kong government is so efficient. Uh, uh, there, there was very little bureaucracy. 
in trying to get things done around town, building new ring roads, highways, um, uh, uh, housing estates, so on and so forth. And we were expecting our motherland to fulfill the promise in the basic law to give us universal suffrage. And that's where everybody, everything started from the umbrella movement. What was Hong Kong like when you grew up? I mean, did you, sorry, I'm just assuming, were you born in Hong Kong? Yes, I was born, raised, educated uh, in Hong Kong. I, I went to the United States for a few years during my college time, uh, and I didn't come from a wealthy family. I wasn't able to find enough money to complete my university studies. I came back and worked. Hong Kong, to me, is uh, not only home, but a place of uh, uh, and a, a, I almost said nation, and that would have gotten me in trouble. A city of people with tremendous fighting spirit. Uh, we explore our options, and we know how to make life better for us. From a fishing village in the old days during my grandfather's time to now, um, we've always been a city where people knows how to fight. And this time, the regime has taken us up on a fight on our freedom. And uh, we want to prove them that they have picked the wrong fight. Herbert, I'll be careful saying this because I don't want to mix anything up. But sometimes because I'm a storyteller and that's my job, I make videos and I like to think about things in terms of a story. And one of the powerful narratives that I think um, is important in this is that you remember a Hong Kong where you, you know, writing a letter or saying whatever you feel uh, within the law, I guess, is was normal, like it is for me in New Zealand. I can say what I feel. I don't have to check with anyone to talk to you today. There's no one coming to my small business to say that anything I do on my podcast is um, questionable. And you remember a time probably in Hong Kong when it was like that, but it's, I, I get the sense that it's, it's changing now that you're being kind of watched and tracked. And that's certainly what I took away from the 60 minutes interview that, that, you know, you have to stand up and that's not easy. I think you mentioned that you'd never protested before until these moments in history is, um, is that that's correct? Is it? Yes. 2019. June 6 was the first time ever in my back then 55 years of life that I actually took to the streets and protest on something that was so ridiculous, on an extradition treaty of Hong Kong people back to China to be trialed under the Chinese law. Uh, I also said in uh, several interviews, including the 60 Minutes interview, that um, I can only live continue to live under the law that I understand. The national security law that has been put into Appendix 3 of our basic law is not a law that I understand. The law I understand is that it is uh, supposed to treat uh, citizens innocent unless proven guilty. The national security law has arrested over uh, 70 people uh, so far uh, uh, in just a simple uh, um, uh, primary election that was always been uh, legal. And, uh, and uh, without a trial, these people have been behind bars for, I think, close to well, over 100 days now. And this is not the law that I understand. You need to come up with evidence before you arrest someone. And uh, so I can't just go about my life living in fear. Uh, I, own, I can only live uh, under the law that I understand. And that's why I haven't stopped speaking. And I have to be a little bit more careful, but sometimes the law is so vague, the red line is moving uh, uh, without telling you that you don't even know how to be careful. It's, it's just like they can just put the red line under your feet so that you just step on it. But how can a normal human being in a free world, like what you were saying, live like this? You can't. 
you can live in fear and shut up and hide or leave Hong Kong uh, like what the government wants to tell you. If you're not happy with what you see here, leave. Why are you saying all this stuff? Or you can choose to turn fear into strength. And I find it easier to turn fear into strength because it's a simple rationale that you don't want to live in fear. We've always had the freedom. So you turn it into strength and you just refuse this white terror that they keep on putting on you every day and it becomes your strength. What is that white terror? What does that mean? White terror is if you uh, read up on uh, one of the government officials that is constantly doing this uh, is uh, former chief of police that is, has been promoted uh, to our secretary for security. And he comes up and talks about certain organizations, uh, a recent case that ended in the organization winding up uh, was the education society that uh, that they they formed thirty years ago, uh, something like that, just to help teachers uh, that are out of jobs. And uh, but then they claim that they have become political. They have joined protests. So he comes out and he talks a bit about them and say the teachers association, the education association, is not exactly an association working for teachers. They actually have political motives and they have been one of the troublemakers during our our uh, social movement just to scare them into considering to dissolve. Mm. That's white terror. Mm. Uh, they have nothing. Uh, uh, they have no evidence, but they come out and speak and uh, together with the uh, two uh, uh, Chinese pro-Chinese papers, uh, which you might have heard of, the Taikong Pao and the Wenwei Pao, they now become a partnership. Uh, the paper writes about people like us and people like the Teachers Association and also the um, uh, the, the Democratic Alliance uh, that is now, uh, uh, I think they are close to deciding uh, uh, to dissolve also. Uh, they have been uh, an organization um, commemorating uh, uh, the Tiananmen Square June 4th massacre. And they have been criticized also as uh, an organization that has been trying to subvert China because they condemn the, uh, the Tiananmen uh, Square massacre. So people like that and the paper come out and talk about them uh, again, uh, that uh, they're not exactly just commemorating June 4th. They're actually an organization with some kind of foreign background uh, trying to subvert the country. And that forces another organization into a considering to dissolve. That's white terror. It, it, it's um, it's um, uh, um, unfounded guilt uh, with uh, initially no legal basis, but widely spread by government officials. I'm just going to think about that for a second because... And, uh, and ISIS is right there as well. I mean, mm. yeah. It's, a, it's not a term that you are familiar with in, in your side of the world. Well, no? personally, <laughs> no. I mean, look, I'm someone who has grown up for the last 40 years in a country where uh, you don't need to know those kind of words. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's like yeah, a gift. A good but at the same time, it's a burden because... It's very difficult for me now to look at the world and make sense of what's happening everywhere. You know, mm. I, I, I actually, that's what I said to you at the beginning. I don't know why I have a feeling to talk to you, but I think it's more of a deep human feeling of trying to one, acknowledge you and two, trying to help people understand that, you know, change is something that happens slowly, isn't it? It's not it's not maybe you, you're used to a Hong Kong that was, but children born today, they will be growing up in a different system, won't they? And, and what freedom means to them might be different to you. No, that's spot on. I have three kids. My eldest one is 26. Uh, 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 and my daughter is 24, who lives in LA. And my youngest one is 20. 
imagine what they go through with a father with a business uh, fighting for democracy and freedom and being suppressed and shrinking, closing one store after another, whose production in China has been stopped by the mainland Chinese government, whom they are brought up learning that is supposed to be motherland. And learning that father has committed no crime, uh, uh, but with uh, uh, his um, loyalty to the mainland production, and during which they also hear uh, the younger generation accusing the father as not uh, loyal enough to the democracy camp because I did not stop producing from China and uh, not answering to the anti-China sentiments. Uh, and so uh, on our side, uh, people say that uh, you should have stopped production in China a long time ago if you really truly support us. So imagine what a youngster goes through when they look at a father like this. And, and uh, my eldest was born in 1995, two years before the handover. And, in, and my daughter was born right on the year of, of the handover in 1997. And imagine what they go through trying to understand like, they, and they were all educated uh, uh, um, uh, to be a global citizen. Uh, we, we placed them in international schools and later on in boarding schools overseas and universities overseas. And they all brought up with the global value. Uh, and now they come back and they see what their father's going through. Imagine what questions they have for me and what they go through in their mind. The number one thing they would be thinking is, which side should I stand on? Because if I work and live in Hong Kong, I might be suppressed like my father if I support my father. Because like you said in the beginning, that side is huge with money, with power. And our side is huge with people, no money. And okay. I'll be practical about this, uh, this statement. No power. But I believe in the power of the people, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, well, it, it is, yeah. it's the definition of hope, isn't it? Otherwise, what, what is it all for? You know, it's something like, uh, I, I don't know, um, I sometimes think of music, right? And I think that, oh, it's just nice music. But no, it plays a very deep role um, in helping us um work through emotions and feelings i was Absolutely. listening to um actually the song reminded me of you well you know a little bit it's the johnny cash song you know i won't back down and he says a line in it which is you can stand me up to the gates of hell and i won't back down and the reason i thought about you because you're in some ways herbert and i say this kind of um as a positive you're opening yourself up to say look i'm willing to stand up and for most people, including me, that's a very scary prospect. So I'm, you know, that's why I wanted to also talk to you. Um, that has major consequences for you. You, uh, it must be very stressful. Like, what's most days like for you when you wake up? What's your first thoughts? Are they, are they regular people thoughts, or are they what's going to happen today? How do you think when you wake up? Um, I've had times where sleeping was difficult. Mm. Uh, the um, common joke from the pro-freedom, pro-democracy camp is this doorbell at 6.30. It's our common joke. And this is the, usually the time that the National Security Department rings your bell and come in a, and arrest you with uh, no proven crime. Uh, and take you away and detain you for a few hours and then ask the court for an extra three months to investigate your crime. And that's how the uh, um, uh, people who joined the primary were arrested uh, um, uh, back in January. So this uh, uh, private joke of ours is the 6.30 doorbell. Uh, but when you come to think of it, it's not really a joke because it keeps you awake. I've had mm -hmm. nightmares uh, about my doorbell ringing at the 6.30. Uh, but I like to think I've overcome that uh, with a bit of humor and with a bit of optimism and with a lot of hope. And when I get back into that again, 
I'm lucky enough to have some good friends who have given me some very good advice. Uh, unfortunately, these friends are now in jail. But before they were arrested in January, uh, we talk a lot about stuff. Uh, if you have heard of this name called Benny Tai, he is this primary case, the number one defendant. We call him D1. And uh, he's the same year as me. And we were high school uh, 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 schoolmates. Uh, so I've known him for 40 something years. We've never been close, but he has been quite active. He was the uh, founder of the umbrella movement, uh, the Occupy Central. And back then, we really don't agree 100%, but I speak to him and I ask him why he's doing what he's doing. Why block the streets? And why not accept uh, the concession offered by the government? Uh, uh, and back then, uh, if you read up about it, you know well, what were the proposals from the government and what were the demands from the people. The people's demand was very simple. Follow what was promised in the basic law and give us universal suffrage for our parliament and for our chief executive. And, uh, and the government basically's answer was that we'll give you universal suffrage for the parliament, but not the chief executive. And Benny uh, back then was a law professor, uh, uh, an assistant professor at the Hong Kong University. Uh, he, he teaches constitutional law. And he was disappointed with this resolution because back in 1997, and here we're talking about 2014, back in 1997, it was promised that universal suffrage would come to Hong Kong. And so he was disappointed that it took so many years and it was still, I'll give you a little bit first. And people like me back then, believe that let's trust the government uh, as they give a little we take that little and gradually they'll give more and then fast forward to 2021 how correct benny was how wrong i was in 2014 believing this childish hope that let's accept the concession and our government will give us more and look at now they are only giving us less and less and less and as we protest as we disagree, they squeeze us tighter and tighter and tighter. And today they try to kill my business. So I have, was lucky enough to know Benny. So we disagreed, but we had our monthly lunches as old schoolmates, we chat. And, uh, and then comes 2019, we became friends because that was when everybody woke up and say, how can you have an extradition treaty between Hong Kong and China when it was promised that the legal system would be different until 2047. How can you, in one of the terms of this treaty, that if you have committed corruption in China, then they could extradite you to be trialed in China. And imagine that, that's the main thing that woke up everybody in Hong Kong because China in business is the most corrupt country in the world that even the leader, as much as he tries, he and I give him the benefit of the doubt, he tries very hard to curb corruption. He's put some people behind bars, but the country is too big, the system is too huge, and the Communist Party just can't reach every corner and is the most corrupt country in the world to try and get things done. And yet they're trying to pass a law in Hong Kong that if you commit corruption, that they'll extradite you to China for trial. And that's the point where every Hong Kong businessman woke up because a lot of businessmen have paid in the past. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, we talk about that. And then I started to go on the streets. Uh, my first time ever age 55, June 9th. And then we started uh, to be quite close. I asked him for advice and he gives me advice. So to answer your question, without going into the full story, whenever I feel lonely, whenever I feel uh, helpless, I think about Benny and the advice that he gives me, that those who trust you will trust you. Uh, you have to have hope. And you have to believe in uh, the fact that they are more good than evil in this world. And, and God has a plan for all of us. And he's in jail. He's uh, 
been locked up for over a year now. Uh, and uh, uh, we don't know how much longer they're going to lock him up before they forward some evidence to try and prove that him as the organizer of the primary election uh, is subverting the country. Uh, but he is the main guy whom I think about uh, that I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm still a free man. Uh, my mentor in politics, he's locked up. And so why am I being a crybaby? Uh, and there are more of them, not just Benny Tai. Okay? Uh, uh, quite a few friends are also invo involved in the primary that are also locked up. And, uh, and a few of them, ladies, behaving so brave that you just can't go away and pretend to be in pain for yourself. I'm in pain for them. But you can't pretend to be in pain for yourself because you're still a free man. I can still talk and I should talk. I can still fight for what I believe in and I should fight. And uh, if uh, you have heard of Gwyneth Ho, she had all the reasons to uh, be able to uh, be granted bail. And the condition from the judge was that if I allow you bail, then during the time of the bail, you are not supposed to take any interviews and uh, talk to anyone about your experience in jail or anything like that. Just stop talking to anyone about politics until the trial begins. And her answer to the judge was, I can accept any condition for bail except the prohibiting of the freedom of speech. So she literally denied. She denied her own bail. Wow. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's easy, actually, to, to understand that. But it's hard to wrap your head around if you think, would I do that? Like, you know, for people listening, would we do that? Would we be prepared to? Um, it's a sacrifice in some way, isn't it? It's a sacrifice on her own freedom um, for something bigger. Yeah. To tell uh, the Hong Kong people. Mm, to mm. tell the Hong Kong people to fight. Mm. That's how we read it. It's her version of, uh, I'm only 30 years old. And uh, I don't need my freedom if it's been granted to me on a, on a, on a condition of no freedom. And there's another lady, you know, uh, Chao Hang Tong, who is the vice president of uh, the Democratic Alliance that I spoke about that was being forced to uh, uh, um, uh, 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 I think they, they, they will have a vote on, on the whether they, they, they will dissolve. And uh, she's vice president of the association at the age of 38. She's a barrister herself and uh, has uh, taken to the streets on June 4th, even though the government tried to warn her that you do not uh, do that. She tried to do that in her personal capacity and was arrested. And, uh, and then they tried to force the association to reveal information of their, of their committee members, and she refused uh, because there was no ground on national security law. They were accusing her for being an agent for foreign powers, and she said, we are not agents for foreign powers. We commemorate June 4th. Uh, the Chinese people, the Chinese June 4th. So she refused, and she was arrested. And when she went to her first uh, um, uh, 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 court process, uh, the judge read her the, the accusation, uh, the, uh, the charge, and asked her the question, do you understand your charge, Ms. Chow? And she told the judge, yes, sir, I understand that it's a ridiculous charge. That's another lady locked up in prison. But is there any indication what life in prison would be like for them? Or is that something nobody knows? Well, we know from them that uh, there are four types of cockroaches in the prison. Uh, we know from them that uh, as much as other organizations trying to help them, 
uh, with resources, with uh, new towels and with new hand cream, with uh, some snacks, uh, uh, specific snacks that are being approved by the prison, like M&Ms, without trying to help them to advertise. And some um, uh, uh, other snacks like biscuits. Uh, organizations that provide supplies to them, or these snacks to them, have recently been clamped down. Uh, if you have read up in our news, uh, recently one student organization that has been collecting these kind of um, uh, resources uh, and supplies for prisoners uh, have been accused of subverting the country. And their evidence is. Uh, bucket loads of chocolates, hand creams, clean towels, uh, uh, dried squid, peanuts, and that's the evidence. It's not grenades or AK-47s. And this give, gives us an idea of uh, how, 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 I guess, how the people in jail looks at us, uh, looks at this government. I think the government is trying to give them some entertainment, something to laugh about while they are suffering inside. Mm -hmm. That uh, the, the conditions are, uh, seriously speaking, are not uh, uh, worth mentioning. Comparing to being a free man, I mean, being locked up uh, in a uh, in a prison. But you can look at how the ridiculous things that is surrounding their arrest. Some people trying to help them. And our Hong Kong police uh, raiding these outlets and and finding evidence of bucket loads of snacks and accusing these snacks providers as trying to coerce with the prisoners and trying to form uh, uh, um, uh, power bases in in the prison and trying to create prison uprising. Uh, I hope that answers your question. I think it does, that's it does. That's yeah. That's what life is in prison. I mean, I mm. think they look at us and say, "Wow, you know, we thought it's ridiculous enough that we're being put in jail. Mm. Now the government even is so ridiculous that there's just uh, these tiny little groups trying to help us to get a, yeah. a slightly better life in hell, and you're trying to clamp them down. That's right, because because that is a statement in itself, right? Even as something as simple as a piece of chocolate we can control that. And I think that is what most people in, uh, yeah. you know, what we would like to think free societies, we can go and get as much as chocolate as we want. And um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'll take some time to think about that. Um, hey, Herbert, I, I know you have other things to do. And I just want to kind of maybe ask a couple more questions around one of the things I saw online was um, a statue that you had in your shop. Is it Lady Liberty? I, I mean, I, I didn't. I don't remember. Lady exactly. Liberty, yeah, that's how they yeah. call it. Yeah, the Lady Liberty, uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. Can you give me a yeah, bit well, of background it's... about that? They were being conceived by a group of young people uh, 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 back in 2019 when the uh, uh, democratic movement began, um, and uh, it was funded by several people, including a group of German students. Uh, and, and in the end, they approved this design and it's uh, the, in the outfit of one of the protesters is a female protester, uh, a protester painted in white um, as symbol. And the female protester is wearing her helmet, her, her gas mask, holding an umbrella. Uh, and uh, it has been criticized by the government as a um, promoting of violence uh, when I displayed it. So at a point when uh, this is last year, uh, that uh, in around about March that they announced that they will uh, pass in the National People's Congress the National Security Law. And, uh, and it will be effective from the 1st of July in 2020. And so these groups were uh, a bit worried about where they are going to put something like this, whether that would be in violation of the national security law. And I, and I met them at an exhibition. And uh, to cut the long story short, I decided that, that we should have no fear of putting up a statue like this. Uh, uh, and so I put it in my store. 
and and the rest is history. You're still in one of my stores. I've I've moved them around a bit because the landlord has for displaying that, but it's still in one of my store uh, 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 now uh, with a braver landlord. And, and I, my attitude is, if you want to prove that a lady dressed in the protest gear, holding an umbrella, is a symbol of promoting violence, then come up with the law and 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 prove that statute illegal, and I'll remove it. And they haven't been able to do it, and so it remains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Herbert, look, a couple of things. One, I want to thank you for um, taking time to chat with me. Two, you have a friend in New Zealand. So if the world gets too crazy for you, you can always text me. Uh, so far, I can walk out of my house free today, but you should know that I'm always available if you just want to hear from another human outside of your bubble. Um, and three, would it be fair to say that, you know, the the world likes to think about good person, bad person, you know, good and evil, these types of things. But I get the sense what you're fighting for is to have a fair system. You have to also have a logical system that makes sense. And sometimes when things get too big, they get to make what's fair. And I think that's the problem that a law should be passed in a fair way and it should be upheld in a fair way. And when you are so big that you can make anything work because you decide, you know, you being the, um, the metaphor or, you know, like a God in some ways, that's what you're fighting for, right? Like that things should be fair, that chocolate in prison isn't an uprising. It's chocolate for a person in prison. And that's what it is. So don't make it more. And, Am I am I kind of right there, Herbert? You're absolutely spot on. Um, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, extending the friendship. It's important to have uh, our voice being heard, and and I'll definitely take you up on that when things get really crazy because I can't text Benny Tai anymore. Uh, uh, um, and hopefully, we will stay in touch. And whenever you don't understand what's going on in Hong Kong, feel free to contact me and I'll try my best to understand and to make you understand what's going on. Although it sometimes is very hard for me to comprehend what's going on mm. in Hong Kong as well. And yes, you're correct that uh, we are trying to make uh, a lot of ridiculous things uh, continue to look ridiculous so that the normal people can understand that there's no fear, there's no white terror in trying to send chocolates uh, through organizations into, into prison. Uh, and that, uh, uh, and if we don't continue to do that, uh, would writing a letter to a friend in prison one day be a crime as well, uh, or a fear as well? And so, what we're doing is trying to live a normal life, as I said in the interview, sixty minutes plus. That I can only continue to live a normal life and uh, under the law that I understand, and those laws that I don't understand, I can't really take them into consideration and keep myself awake at night. So if uh, the shit hits the fan, we'll cross the bridge when we get there. So you're absolutely spot on. And this is what me and many other people, not just me, uh, uh, I sincerely believe that are five, six million of us that that b believes in this. Some are, lot, are not as vocal, uh, but I'm, I, I think soon uh, the world will see how resilient the Hong Kong people are when they are faced with ridiculous things in life. Uh, we will fight back, we will speak up, and we will tell the government that you get normal, okay? Because this is not the normal Hong Kong that we're used to. And, and, uh, um, uh, and we're trying to live like this to encourage other people not to speak up. Not everybody would like to speak up. Everybody has their own style. We don't condemn those people for not speaking up. As much as I'm so far the only one of the few people in business that speaks up, I do not condemn others because they other people have other considerations, maybe just as a simple start, younger children and, and a bigger business than mine. So that's enough reason for them not to speak up. But keep to your heart and do not mistake evil for good. And that's enough. That's very important. Call evil, evil and believe in the same good that we've always believed in. And then when the time comes, when they need our votes in universal suffrage, don't give it to them.
give it to the right people. And uh, that's basically what we're trying to stick to and continue to live on. Awesome. Herbert, take care, my friend. Um, keep in touch, please. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day in Hong Kong. Thank you. Thank you. Keep in touch. Okay. Thank you, Will. It was a See pleasure you meeting you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Holding my head again Making my way through crowded thoughts Sometimes it's hard to get out of it Broke my heart in the dark I was just trying to feel something Falling asleep to the sound of it Always used to let you clean up the messes Down on my knees, thought I couldn't stand up on my own Turns out sometimes you're stronger alone Bringing out the fight, yeah, bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror I find one, oh It's too hard, pick it up, dust it off When I fall down 11, I get up 12 Don't need nobody else Yeah, I can save myself Got burned, but I learned Our scars make us who we are Now I'm ten feet tall over my demons Remind me no one's got me like myself Yeah, I love me without any help I'm the best thing to believe in So I'm bringing out the fight, yeah Bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one, oh Carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off Season and the sun is always right behind the storm.